0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Onthank, and welcome to the Canine Master Show here on PetLife Radio. Today, I have the great pleasure of having uh, a good friend of mine and a special colleague, Dr. Roger Mugford from the U.K. in Devonshire, England. Roger is, I don't know if you heard about him, but he's pretty darn world-renowned. He's a great uh, canine behaviorist. He's he's also a trainer. He's also a veterinarian. And uh, he also develops pet products that I use personally and many of you use. In 1979, Roger founded the Animal Behavioral Center in Surrey, England. And it's a referral service for veterinarians and their clients with pet problems. And that same year, he founded the Company of Animals. And the Company of Animals is where he invented a whole range of pet products that revolutionized the way that people train their dogs. You know, it's great products. The other thing that Roger just received was he was awarded the very prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award at the World Pet Association just last week. And um, and we were all there to watch Roger receive the award. And I would say it's probably the most prestigious. Prestigious award in the pet industry, and congratulations on that. I met Roger about seven years ago when Roger and the company of animals distributed the dog on smart product line in England. They were our distributor there. And we had an amazing connection just at that point. We both found out that we were very similar in many ways. You know, some people think that I'm sort of the Roger Mugford in the US. You know, we, we both have a farm, we both work with animals, we both are canine behaviors and work with dogs, we both work on aggression cases, we both help people with their dogs and we manufacture pec products that help people with their dogs. So, I mean, how much is that? It's pretty wild how it all, all works out. So it's great. The one thing I do not have that Roger has is that, you know, he's trained the corgis for Queen Elizabeth, which I don't have that in my repertoire. Although I, I do work with a bunch of celebrities, I have never had that honor. Roger, I am so excited to have you here on the show and, and welcome.
0: Lucky old me to be here. Chris, after all these similarities, I think we should get married. Maybe. Maybe we Uh, should. Later later today, listeners. I just want to know who's going to wear the dress. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he's quite right. We come from the same place, which is people matter and pets make people happy. People need pets. And obviously, some people have problems with their pets and we're here to solve them. And uh, it's a big privilege to be allowed into people's lives, like you do, like I do, and to be told their innermost secrets.
1: Yeah, it becomes very intimate. I mean, the things we find out when we go into people's homes. Scary. You have to understand, actually, their whole, the whole sort of relationships between the people in the family. And you that can really. Uh, I mean,
0: you guys haven't slept together for three years because of the dog? Oh you gosh. must be crazy. Oh no. oh, no. Don't pass value judgments. I wouldn't say that. And which side of the bed? And because all these little um, timetabling things affect the husbandry of the dog. And it's more dogs that we see. Very few cats. Cat owners are very happy with their pets, even if they scratch furniture and and crap on all the wrong places cat owners love their animals so much they'll just put up with it dog owners want their animal to conform and to behave and to be like the dogs that they see on the movies and um, everyone wants to have a lassie dog and it's got to be perfect just like the kids so
1: dog owners are a very different category from cat owners it is and you know the thing is i've even run into people i just had recently a client who said you know i just want my dog to lie down next to me and stay there when i come home i said well there's a great taxidermist down the street why don't we give them a call so many people really only
0: think their dog is happy when it is lying there and being still and motionless. You know, so why do you put it on drugs? You know, well, you, as you say, have a taxidermy and, and a dead dog. But the truth is uh, dogs need to be active for 12, 15 hours a day. They need about as much sleep as a human. And so don't expect a dog to be sleeping all the time.
1: That is not a happy dog if it is. yeah, No, not at all. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, we, we have the doggy daycare centers popping off all around the United States and around the world now. And people are, you know, we're having to actually exercise the dogs for the dog owners yeah. while they go off to work
0: as important as yeah, the day send by the way you know who started this whole movement no it wasn't chris it was joe sporn joe sporn exactly downing he had the first one and he's another professional in the pet industry that we both love and you know he's a great guy and
1: he's also an inventor so uh, you know something you know, unfortunately is- his center just closed down but you know he was yeah yeah but he started it all you know i think i, I was right in the right behind him but he was the first one yeah So,
0: and uh, UK, always a bit slow to catch on, uh, is catching on with dog daycare centers. A lot of them tend to be outdoors on small farms where animals have got, you know, 20, 30 acres to run.
1: And that, of course, is ideal. But Manhattan, it's a bit tricky, isn't it, on space? Yeah, no. You know, I remember when I was up at your farm, at the at the behavioral center in the company of animals, also corporate headquarters. You and I went to. Like, I guess it was sort of a, a bully breed, but I know you're not allowed to have bully breeds. But it was some. You had let the dog out, and you said, "Chris, go and take a look at this. Go take a look at this new dog." So he proceeded to open up the run, and he jumped past you, and we spent the catch this dog as he was tormenting your sheep and going after. We got in the car. It was a very muddy spring. We're. Sp- ruling the mud all over the car and it was just one of the funniest times I've ever had with with anyone and, and let alone being it with you he's called Humphrey I've still got that dog oh, he came do? <laughs> out of a
0: court case um, he was in, in court before the beat judge because he undressed little girls on the way to school he oh. he got out of his owners yard his owner was in a wheelchair couldn't control this uh, fantastic dog a bull mastiff cross uh, Staffordshire Bull Terrier so it looks like a pit bull yeah. anyway you'll be pleased to know he's a reformed character and do you know he, the best thing that helped me cure Humphrey he shot both of his cruciate ligaments so, so he doesn't he run just very fast he anymore he can't run
1: away as fast and like. he's
0: not able to undress
1: girls anymore right and, and no. those
0: two yeah. and he's been mostly <laughs> trained and about ten thousand dollars later in vet bills for his cruciate ligaments so Yeah, that's one of the downsides
1: about Staffies by the way I love bull breeds I know? love them too uh, and I and I think they got the biggest bum rap going they do and uh it's one of the all-american great dogs Mm -hmm. you know i say here in america but all the one of the all-time great dogs they all started in uk excuse me yes
0: they did and and um but they're just such loyal little animals and um, and their their faces are so expressive but of course we can say that about all dogs all dogs are fantastic oh they're great
1: and you know one of the things that roger does and I, i think that it's really kind of amazing is that he creates products to help people manage their dogs and, and work with their dogs and train their dogs. I mean, a lot of the, the products that I use at, in my behavioral center, Roger has invented. Well, I think the dog training
0: should be very accessible and it should be, if you like, idiot proof. And if you look at some of the old timers books, Cola and um, oh, yeah. the monks of Skeet and all that, yep. they sound so darn complicated and dog training isn't complicated. Um, so dogs pulling on the lead, I invented the Halti. Why did I do a Halti? Because I work with horses, I work with cattle, and you don't fight with an animal that big <laughs>
1: So talk a a little bit about what the Halty is. I've been using the Halty for years. I mean, buddy, you were the first one to come up with this head halter or like, almost like a horse halter, right? I mean, it was. It was derived from a calf fault that day. I, I had a bad back because I'm tall like you and, you know,
0: oh my God, my next patient's an Irish wolf fan. So it's you know, a dog weighing 100 kilos, 200 pounds. What am I going to do with this great dog? It's going to break my back and my doctor's going to be mad at me. So I just pulled out a halter and slightly modified it to fit this dog. Wow. Yeah, it really was a life-changing moment. You know, first time anyone to put a head collar on a dog, although there are ancient pictures of dogs in World War oh, One in Belgium a, wow. with head collars oh, on. That's so, so nothing in this world is new, really. So all I did was transfer the technology from one species to another. And if you think about it, the world of horses is full of some really interesting innovations because. Those darn things, those critters, they bite, they kick, they run. And you have to be very good at understanding body language and body
1: control if you're a horseman. And it's really the same skills that we want to introduce in the world of dogs. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The Halty looks like a horse halter. And when you use it, you know basically it works this way where the head goes the body's going to follow and it's great for people that have that those pulling dogs that are yanking them down the street I mean that's on all our puppy classes here at Dog on Smart we use them we encourage people to put them on and uh, it's it's a great product
0: I would never say all dogs have to wear head collars or all dogs have to wear holties no.
1: even. even because
0: really all you want is a soft point of physical connection between the owner and the dog and if it's a flat collar and the dog doesn't pull on it that's just fine yeah. and please don't use A a spiky collar, or please don't use even a a garrote choke chain. But harnesses, you know, a sensible way to link people and dogs together. And there are zillions of uh, great harness designs. But in an ideal world, dogs will be free. And they're free on my farm, they're free on yours. But there's something called road traffic. And that means about 100 years, dogs have had to be on a lead. And it is a quite unnatural situation for dogs. They never evolved to be
1: tied up as much as they have to be in the 21st century. Yeah, but even more now than when we were kids. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to let my dog out, and he'd run around, and he'd have a great great time. But I now find, with all these leash laws that we have...
0: But Listen, you need to know that Chris is actually 120 years old. Yes, I am. uh, So I'm a bit younger,
1: but... He can remember the first motor car coming along the street. Uh, (laughs) So listen, one of the things I want to ask you, though... All right, so he has a number of different products. The first is the the Halty, there's the Pet Corrector... There's the Baskerville muzzle. You now have that new anxiety wrap, which is the oldest one in that category that I know of. You also have some, uh, the green feed, slow they're slowing up. down the slow feeder. So, all of these products are really kind of groundbreaking in, in many of their ways. Um, they're functional. I, yeah. So, I, I wanted to say that the, the head halty, and I have found over the years, You've, I've also seen that you've developed it. So I'm going to go back to that. And it's actually had some modifications uh, recently that I understand. But the, the halty, when I put it on a dogs, many dogs do really well with it. And then there are those dogs that you stick it on and they fight it they froth at the mouth, they start jumping up and down, and, and people are like, oh my gosh, this my dog oh, it's terrible. You know, and, and I, I gotta be honest, I mean, I see these people get really like, I'm not putting this on my dog, it looks horrible, it looks like a muzzle. I think that's the other thing that we've heard, is that it looks like a muzzle, you know? I don't know, Roger, I mean, you know, how do you answer those
0: questions? There really are individual differences. Some dogs, we can call more reactive dogs, take very badly to that sort of restraint but so do some people you know you put a horsehair hair shirt are you wearing a horsehair shirt no, no but, um, but you know some people the slightest little imperfection in their clothing and they scratch and itch and it's really bad other people like me thick skinned and put up with it and dogs are so similar in that respect you know marked individual differences so there's no one product for every dog Yeah. Um, treat them as an individual and for those dogs that genuinely struggle and genuinely looking miserable I take the halty off throw it away or take it back to the store because it's not for every dog. And the biggest factor that seems to be affecting dogs' reactions to any head collar or halty is whether or not the side straps touch the lips, the flues, as they're called. Those are the drool areas. drool areas. Now, if you've got a dog like an Araceta or a a typical Spaniel, those flues go back a long way and they're outward facing, they, um, which is, if you like, a design fault. In insensible dogs like wolves, they're, they're you know nice and neat and tight, but they're very easily inflamed in certain breeds, and uh, we call them lippy breeds. And um, those, they're not so well designed for head collars. So the second and latest design of Halty, which I call the OptiFit, um, this sits a lot further back uh-huh. and doesn't touch these lips. And actually, so so does the competitive product, the Gentle Leader, uh, not touch the lips. So that's why in some situations, the Gentle Leader has got better acceptability because the Gentle Leader puts a
1: lot of pressure on the top of the nose. So and I, that's I, another um, brand. The Gentle Leader is your competitor brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also
0: a, a, good, a, a good product. A good product and in a away from fighting with their dog and trying to pit their strength against the strength of the dog, which dogs will usually win in the end, and gets off this deliverings painful pressure on the soft tissues of the dog's throat
1: uh, yep. because that's what concerns me so you know I will tell you one of the things that I have found and I have some of my other trainers do is that when we have a dog that fights the gentle leader initially many times I do this with a muzzle as well um, and with your basketball muzzle is that I do some counter conditioning basically what I do is when I put the muzzle on or the, the halty on I am going to feed them some hot dogs. The great thing about the halty and also your Basketville muzzle is it allows us to actually counter condition that feeling, take that trigger that usually would freak them out and pair it with a treat. And all of a sudden, putting that uh, halty on becomes a great feeling and it becomes good. And I, I find that it's sort of like the bar opens and the bar closes, I like to say. When I put it on, the bar is open and the, and the treats come. And when I get off, the bar stops closes and and pretty soon that that dog really starts to accept the halty and i don't have the issues so if you initially find that when you put the halty on that the dog starts really not liking and trying to paw it off try doing some counter conditioning try to take some slices of hot dogs or a nice tasty treat and when it's on make sure that you give him a nice treat and you know what he's going to pretty much like putting it on anyway and then feeding him as we go becomes, um, he starts to really like like the experience. Have you found that too?
0: Yeah, exactly that. And it is about 10% of dogs that we really won't accept a Halty and that I would look for an alternative solution. And there are many alternative solutions to a head collar. And of course the, the mere fact of going for walks is enjoyable for most dogs. So that's the biggest reward of all. So just as rattling a conventional collar and lead and um, say, hey, Rover, wake up and let's go for a walk. And so it is with a uh, head collar. So pretty soon that positive association is formed. I would say that um, yeah, a little bit of investment in the home on soft carpets of uh, the dog wearing the halty not connected to a lead, and as you say, feeding treats and playing games and, and making it really a rewarding experience is a good investment.
1: Yeah, and I find it really works. Okay, we'll be right back with Dr. Roger Mugford, and we'll be talking about the Pet Corrector. Back to you shortly. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back, right after we kibble a little with our Sponsors.
0: Put on a perfectly possum pet party! Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit pet party accessories. Party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We hey, welcome back to the show. And I'm here with Dr. Roger Mugford from the Company of Animals and one of the best canine behaviors I know, besides myself. So, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was you have a great. Product that I've actually written about in my canine master blog. It's called the Pet Corrector. And we actually I've actually sold them on my shop master Pets website. They are a great product because the sound, and I believe it's the sound, actually it's compressed sound. So Roger, can you give it yeah, give okay. a little it, just as I little
0: the halty because I was ticked off with people yanking dogs on choke chains and spike collars and all that so you know there's no point just criticizing what people do you've got to come up with a positive alternative and therefore a head collar so in the same world of dogs that we live in too many of my clients some listeners maybe are shouting at their dog they're kicking dogs they're throwing rocks at dogs Going, no,
1: it's the please, worst. please keep your voice down. Your dogs have better hearing than you and you don't need to raise your voice. Well, also I find that when you scream at your dogs, it actually escalates the issues that are going
0: on exactly. many times. So there's no point just putting gags on people and saying, you know, be nice to your dog and well, how do you stop the dog doing the wrong thing? Excuse me, Dr. Mugford. And I said, well, okay. Uh, what have I been using to protect myself when I'm in some serious, difficult situations with
1: dogs? I use a CO2 fire extinguisher. You know, the big. Big we, we use it downstairs so if we have uh, a major issue CO2 breaks up a fight in an instant exactly but it's a bit hard to carry a
0: 30 kilo a foot high piece of solid steel in your handbag it just doesn't look very good <laughs> no so walking I, in I it carrying it at the dog park microminiaturize it now I've been criticized by the, of dog trainers and saying well it's a punishment it's a positive punishment
1: yes meaning that well, you're um, applying the uh, punisher
0: and I will just demonstrate so listeners if you've got a sensitive dog in the room uh, turn away That is the sound. And that sound, as brief as that, you know, half a second, uh, is sufficient to alert a dog. My God, what was that? And it's, for some dogs, it is very aversive. I would say that typically they're the border collies and the the, the known sound-sensitive breeds. But for most dogs, it's, hey, just an alerting signal. Sure. What what was that? And, of course, the sound is biologically built into dogs. I say built into people, too, and uh, horses and many other species that I work with. They all think that that's the sound of danger. You know, cats go, shh, snakes, obviously, geese. All the animals that want to protect themselves, their last resort is to make a big old hiss. And that is the sound that mammals seem to be biologically programmed to respond to. And it's a lot easier than shouting at a dog. So this little 30 gram compressed air is a remarkably powerful conditioning st- instrument that shouldn't be used more than 3, four, ten times in the dog's life maximum. So you only need to buy one should be enough because yeah. if you have to keep on using it, then it's not working or the context in which you're using it is inappropriate. Yeah. So just condition it to see that little red cylinder means stop. And thereafter, just the visual signal of uh, holding the, c- the cylinder should be enough to stop the dog in its tracks, then to build in some positive reward or an alternative behavior to sit and be stroked or to receive a treat or or whatever it is but anything's better than the dog jumping up stealing food chasing the cat barking incessantly um jumping to the front seat of a car when he should be in the back seat of the car and so on and so on these are the
1: situations in which briefly and occasionally you will need to use a form of positive punishment yeah so i will tell you one of the things that i find when i'm using Positive punishment is the timing of when that positive punishment occurs. So, one of the things that I find is you use a marker that means this is coming. I think you and I have talked about this in years past. Whether you use a word that you normally wouldn't use, that's one thing that's important. So, I will use, you know, wacko or enough. And I, it's the way you say it, uh uh-uh. uh, or uh uh-uh. uh. But people tend to do that uh uh-uh, uh a lot. So, then the dog will say, oh gosh, this is coming. One of the things I find to get perfect timing, and you know, the best time to correct a dog is when they're thinking about it. And the next time is when they're in the midst. Oh, the act and there's studies to know that one to two seconds after a dog does a behavior and we correct them they don't know why no. so we got to catch them when they're thinking about it in the act so if across the room my dog is about to jump up on the kitchen counter and I now pick up the pet corrector and by the time I grab this pet corrector he's already down eating the sandwich it's too late really the, the act of grabbing the food off the counter is gone but if I can pair a marker word that means this is about to come I get perfect timing so yeah. that's how I have used the pet corrector in the past and it works very very effectively
0: and, and of course the it, Really good point you make, and the simple rushing breath through your teeth shh, is just as effective and by association. And uh, so, there's a
1: certain dog trainer on the west coast. Oh, what's uh, his name? Uh, oh, gosh, yeah, I right. forget. Um, uh, anyway, is it Napoleon or something? Maybe it's Napoleon something.
0: i, I My memory so Yeah, bad. okay. Um, so, anyway, he has been in his programs doing this, shh, but damn it, I've been, I was doing that 30 years ago. <laughs> and so, but anyway, nothing in this world is new. And well done, Cesar Milan, for discovering. Yeah, yeah. My discovery of "sh" is yeah. a great sound to interrupt your dog. Notice when the dog walks off the pavement or sidewalk into any dangerous situation, you, just, shh, shh. you don't need to say, it's over, come back,
1: <laughs> is enough Yeah, it's amazing. All right, so I do know that uh, recently I have seen some. There's one guy, if you were to Google Pet Corrector, that comes up and he says the only best use for the Pet Corrector is uh, to clean the lens on your camera. Have you seen this video at all?
0: No, I haven't, um, but I'm sure it's a very good lens cleaner. A very Um, good lens cleaner. And, of course, there are other devices which produce uh, compressed air or compressed gas um, that can be used for the same purpose. The difference about the PECREX and the reason why it's more expensive than the devices you use to clean your computer board is that it's non-flammable. It's it's an inert gas which can be compressed and is in a liquid form. The use of hydrocarbons, propane, butane, would be the typical mix. Boy, do they, do they burn beautifully. So if you're a smoker or you're anywhere near a naked flame and you use that same device, then you're, you're going you're, to have a big explosion and a very burned dog. So there is, in fact, an American product that is just like this. And I set fire to, I emphasize it, a stuffed... Wow. A Labrador toy. I set fire to it in dark. It's a great video and I really want to put it online.
1: So I want to talk about, and actually I got criticized on my blog by somebody, by one, somebody who wrote in and said, you're not supposed to spray this near their face.
0: And I agree with that. And, you know, all products even food is subject to abuse you know food is the greatest enemy of healthy living in america um, so um everything can be abused uh, yeah and we go out of our way to say no closer than a meter four feet say, so 4 feet is, is
1: about that distance and,
0: and you know sound travels at the
1: speed of sound so you don't need to be on top of the dog now do we do it in their direction uh, that's one of the questions i had for you so when i if i grab it do i point it towards the dog and then spray it or do i spray it in another direction. What would you recommend?
0: I really don't think it matters. I think um, towards the dog uh, is fine. And notice the way you can't see this, the way I'm using it. I just hit it with the side of my hand, like that, really a short. uh, So it's a short one, not a long. So lots of people would be doing this. And that's too long, way too long. Um, and of course you get a whole lot more sprays out of the can. A tiny little can should produce two hundred of these sprays. Now, is it right to punish dogs? I mean that opens up a whole philosophical. Well, there we go. So of, you know, should dogs be in a world which is just sort of good news and nice experiences? Oh, this, is, this is big um, stuff. Wouldn't here. we like wouldn't we like people to live in a world like that? I'm sorry. I keep on getting stopped for doing things wrong on the road when I'm driving, I go through a red light, you know, and there's a cop on my tail right away and I know I'm gonna be hauled up before course. So it's the fear of of being found out and being punished that regulates human behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's you know I have all sorts of fantasies about doing bad things. I don't because I know I'll be punished for them. And dogs live in the same cognitive oh. world,
1: in the cognitive envelope that humans do you know this is what we call opera conditioning and truly this is how dogs learn I mean we have uh, in the training industry amongst many different trainers we have the all positive everything has to be positive which you're we just talking about and then we have the yanking and crankers and the electrocutioners that are out there putting the shock collars on their dogs and yanking and, yank and cranking them with a prong collar and, and choking them off there's really two extremes to the whole thing and they exist in every country and uh, you know the the positive rewarders we only use positive reinforcement
0: the, if you like the, the how animal learning, animal conditioning works, and the difference between instrumental and, and classical conditioning, and deny that. Behaviour should have consequences. I believe that you should pay the price. You should gain the gain and pay the price for for bad things. So my training, which is in my latest book, is called Payoffs and Penalties. Of course, we want lots of payoffs. You know, positive reinforcement is great. You know, you're going to get a paycheck. You're going to give you a pay rise for being a great person. Um, Or you're going to be fed on time. If you're a good dog, or being taken for a walk, and of course, long-delayed penalties, punishments are not effective in human behaviour or in dogs. You know, in ten years' time, I'm going to reduce your salary if you don't improve. Sorry, that's not a very effective penalty or incentive so but penalties have to be immediate have to be appropriate and i'm trying to get people out of using those products you mentioned the electric shock collars and the spiky collars and the kicks and the shouts and use something that's a lot more subtle and yeah. a lot more immediate and doesn't leave lasting harm and with respect i don't think the pet creator does we've sold three and a half four million of these suckers and we've had virtually no complaint the only complaint we've had is from somebody in arizona who left the aerosol on the front screen or what do you call them the front of their car anyway in direct sunlight and it exploded and exploded the windscreen too and um, so that's the the only Oh, no, that's not so bad see. so just don't put them in front of hot flames no or hot things um it is a very benign thing And if your dog
1: or cat or other animal reacts badly to it is really spooked then don't use it again throw yeah. it away that's what i would say so let's talk about corrections for a second. You know, this is such a hot issue. And I, amongst dog trainers, I had a, a dog trainer that was working for me several years ago. He was called out several times for the dog to stop jumping up. And stop getting under the kitchen counters. So uh, she is all positive motivational training and there's she uses no adversives at all. And so I finally, uh, the client fired her and I called hey, up. I had a trainer
0: like that. I fired him too. Because <laughs> I
1: found him training a dog not to chase sheep
0: uh, by doing recall training on a long line. And excuse me, and we, I want to make it so exciting that this dog comes back to me that he'll leave the sheep over there. Because in, in England, we have sheep in our back gardens, but you know, town and country all mixed up. And so, dogs chasing sheep were a big issue. And and he really thought that he could provide value for money by doing recall training on a long line that was going to transfer to the real world of dogs chasing sheep or squirrels or all the other things
1: dogs chase. And it's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the thing is, you can't, if a dog's jumping up and getting a reward, how is positive motivational training? What, do you feed them a better treat over here? It just doesn't work. I mean, dogs do learn through correction. I think that we must teach new behaviors in a very positive motivational way. Sit, I, sit, sit. I point. use a clicker or a conditioned reinforcer or marker and I do use food to teach but once the dog is doing any bad behaviors or things that are life threatening for the dog or even if I'm getting the dog to stay or lie down for a period of time so he can go to the club with me, he can go to the deli and put on a down I am going to have to use if that dog breaks out of that position i'm gonna to have to use some sort of mild adversive. and, and it, the change of voice
0: might be that aversive. it might be that yeah. and, it, <clears throat>
1: and if the dog sees you as more of a leader and, and you are leading that dog and that dog wants to follow your lead a little guttural correction many times will just be speak hey i get it i don't want to make you angry and, and i want us all to get along excuse mm-hmm. me did i use the word lead i know I, that's oh, something i do i know surprised. that's not um, where you're gonna you and i are gonna disagree on this one but that's okay
0: i think we will agree actually because yeah the other myth that's being promoted by certain training fraternities is, do you know that dogs don't have social hierarchies? The idea of the alpha dog, apparently it's just an invention that may apply to wolves, although David Meck may question that, but that um, apparently dogs were somehow changed
1: in their evolutionary history to... And they're all equals.
0: And they're all equal. Uh And they all want to please us, and they're all really nice animals. They live in a
1: democratic society, and one man, one vote, and everybody is this equal, and we all... And they're not violent. No, no. Those those big teeth, they pack them away. It it is quite silly. There is this train of thought amongst dog trainers that there is no hierarchy in dog training Mm and that in dogs do live in families and you see this the now it's the pack or now we're going to call it politically correct it's now the family Family. yes it's now the family of dogs and dogs don't you know they all know each other and they're all siblings well that may be true but i have done enough studying in india and seeing the street dogs of india and watched them so many times to see how they naturally Mm -hmm. are and they certainly do have hierarchies and you don't have to go to india and about 20 years ago, I was at the University of Pennsylvania and you remember Alan Beck? Oh, yeah
0: famous guy uh, i think now retired um, but a, a good academic and he did a study of free roaming dogs in the city of baltimore which is one of my favorite cities now it's really changed a lot and in those days it was a trash city There was you know, plastic bags everywhere with food in it and of course the great american throwaway food culture means that it's rich pickings for american dogs sure. and those dogs street dogs were living really well and um, they look great so much for the dog food industry you know <laughs> you live well on american garbage and um, but very clearly social hierarchies you know, sure. packs that would avoid, just like um, gangs in uh, street violence in south of Chicago, avoid the patch of, of a yeah. competing gang and their tribal animals. Their family social organization is so like that of human beings and you know they have common interests, they get together, and there's division of labor within packs that some go hunting and they come together at certain times of day to play and to sleep. And another study recently published from Italy where there are big garbage heaps outside Rome Again, no doubt about it, there are social hierarchies. There are some dogs that have premier access, like on a plane, premier access to the best resources first, and then the others come in and follow and maybe have to fight for their position. Whether
1: that's food, whether that's affection, whether that's elevation spots, uh, it's all those things. Interestingly, not sex
0: quite often the, the subdominant animals are quite successful um, in terms of breeding
1: and passing on their genes to the next generation so, unlike the wolves which is more yeah. uh, you know that leader wolf or the alpha wolf is has the breeding rights and, and he, he tries to kill off or drive off um,
0: subordinates who, who could represent a threat to his privileged position as the as the sexual king of the uh, of the pack but of course evolution has substantially changed the domestic dog or se- yeah. uh, natural selection by humans but the dog I work with cattle, I work with horses, they all exhibit social hierarchy. So if you come by a trainer who says, I don't believe in the uh, top dog
1: theory just the find trainer. another trainer I agree I mean listen we're gonna jump from this subject in a second because I want to ask you another question but one last thing I want to end on dogs do best most dogs do best when they have a leader a calm a benevolent leader and dogs love to follow I will see this over and over and over again they love to be led they and so do we don't we I mean don't most of us like to be led we don't all want to be CEOs and and leaders we a lot of us like to follow it makes us live longer it's less stressful and you know it gives us a better Better quality of life. All right. Well, thank you, Roger. That was great. I love those. I could sit here and talk to you forever on that. I want to ask you one funny, interesting question. I'd love for you to give me some good stories on this, because give us the dirt, and I know it's your queen, but I'd love to know how it has been to train the queen of England's dogs.
0: I was approaching this veterinarian, contacts me, says, I want you to see client X, Y, and Z. And they'll tell you who it is. And then, you know, no, no, I'll set up the appointment, and I didn't know who it was. The address is Windsor. Oh, yeah, right. Windsor. With the castle. Oh, oh right, um, and so um, I go in there, and um, met by the Queen, Her Majesty herself, and there were these nine dogs which had been involved in a feel like a gangbang uh, bust up. With uh, <laughs> her mother was then alive, uh, the Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, and she'd been badly bitten in a separated with her one of her dogs in a fight of I think it were ten dogs. And a, these are corgis, I assume. Corgis and dorgies, uh, Daxon crossed corgis, yeah. um, and, um, and we were talking twenty years ago. And what immediately impressed me was that the Queen could control a pack of nine dogs what? very effectively. Wow. You, know, you stay there. And, hello this is Dr. Ooh, yeah right and later on she fed them nine bowls were brought in by a butler or crack bowls lovely China that had been used for banquets previously I imagine but everyone different and everyone cares a lot about diet so do I so do you and they were sat in this hemicircle and they each were fed in turn so this woman
1: is a great dog person she's also a great horse person well she's a great leader I guess isn't great she great leader
0: she's been leading longer than anyone <laughs> even President Mugabe oh my gosh. as uh, I think the only uh, leader with uh, approaching uh, he's a long way off uh, the Queen in terms of you know being a ruler and of course she isn't really a ruler she has you know we've got a great democracy and uh, she's accountable to Parliament and so it's highly regular but she's a great leader and we love her to bits and the world does but animals and all her family love animals Prince Charles loves Jack Russells. Prince William her great grandson has a great little pointer dog so it runs right through and of course it runs through British culture and love of animals and we've sort of lent that culture to the Americas I hope um, and, you know, <laughs> animals, I'm a psychologist. I got into this business because I love people and people and they need recreation and they need somebody to get their heads away from dealing just with other people. And pets, dogs especially, do that so well. Yeah,
1: well, I tell you, the one question I have is, did you teach them how to bow or how to curtsy?
0: <laughs> a little vomit. They do would like, like to
1: get away with murder. Uh... But it
0: was, it was the Queen's Corgis that got me thinking about how to break up a dog fight and I've just done it again because I think that pet corrector does it it does it won't break up a really serious like a pair of pit bulls fighting you know if you're going to need something bigger than that but for so many situations it is a life saving and
1: finger saving it's correct. thank you Chris All right. hey cheers you know what I really enjoyed having you on the show and I thank you for being here today and I hope to get you on again I'm always available I love it. All right. Thank you very much. And let's talk about uh, the next show. The next show uh, we will be bringing up about separation anxiety. When they're driving me crazy, when they leave, they tear up my house. What are the things that we do? And is counter-conditioning you leaving? Meaning, pick up my keys, put them back down, put my jacket on, put it down? Is that effective? We'll find out. All right. That's it for today. So uh, be sure to visit caninemaster.com. That's C-A-N-I-N-E master.com. And give me all your questions. I really want to see what you guys want to know. And I'll get back to you uh, as best I can. And I may even have you uh, call in for the show. Uh, You can also send me your videos and photos so I can get to see what's going on with your dog. See you next time on Canine Master Radio, where I will continue to help you master the relationship with your dog. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.